Turn to Jeremiah 29, please, if you will. You know, I'm consumed with this this reality of it's possible to live the days of heaven here on earth. I am. I do not believe these myths, half teachings that say we have to wait, we have to die before we experience heaven. You, when you die, you will experience heaven, that's for sure, or hell, one of the two. But you will experience something, but God wants us to live in the days of heaven, not just experience them. Some of you don't sound convinced. Some people say that when I go to heaven, there'll be a mansion up in there waiting for me. And uh, Phil and I know of one preacher personally, and I won't mention his name because you, you would have heard him as well. And he took this scripture that in my father's house there are many mansions, and he began to preach it, but as what a lot of guys do in a, in a certain part of the world, they begin to attach money to it. And you, according to your faith level, you bought the size of mansion that you wanted. Now, you know that it's called appealing to people's greed. And a good friend of ours went into the church not knowing anything. God says to him, preach on the mansions of heaven. And as he goes into the church, he begins to say that these mansions are the dimensions of God. These are not physical houses, because like I said to you, God's not into real estate. Because God's not building bricks and stone. The Bible tells you that. He said, in fact, Jesus said to the rulers, tear this temple down and I'll rebuild it in three days. And they couldn't understand what he meant. Well, it took years and years to build this temple. But Jesus was not referring to bricks and stone. He was referring to his own body. You destroy it and, and God will raise it up and I'll raise it up and it'll be a new temple. And the Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God is not building bricks and stone. God is using flesh and blood. Spirit, he puts his spirit inside flesh and blood. So he begins to teach on the dimensions of heaven. What, what do you think happened when a prophet goes into a church and exposes lies? Their people went bananas. And what did they do? They asked for the money back. And he had to give the money back. That's when a prophet walks in, a prophet will expose everything that's wrong. And these guys were giving money, good money, believing that they were, gonna, they were buying a mansion. Now we laugh, but it's possible to be deceived because you trust people. But there is no substitute for you knowing the word. People want to be blessed. And they want to be blessed so much that they'll do, they'll do things to get blessed. But there is a pattern that if you follow, will bring blessing. But you've got to know the pattern in order to get the blessing. Rather than get a cheap shot, a, pre a preacher comes in, promises you the world if you give him some money. It's no different than when the Catholics used to do it many, many hundreds of years ago and they called it religious indulgences. You give me so much money, we will pray and get your auntie, uncle, friend, husband, child out of hell. We'll put them in purgatory. It's like moving the die, it's moving the coins around the board. That's not scriptural. It's not scriptural, but people believed in it. And at the end of the day, you get a lie and the preacher gets his money. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. So God's got plans. Preachers have got plans. Oh, some preachers have schemes. Not every preacher. Some. I have, there's more clean ones than there are dirty ones. I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, in some scriptures, in some versions, it uses the word thoughts. Thoughts to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans or thoughts to give you hope 
and the future, then you will call upon me and come and pray and I will listen to you. When you seek, well, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you seek me with all your heart. There's a heart at the end of this. How you seek God will determine how he responds to you. How many of you know that? So last, last week we were t- speaking about what God thinks about. God in the beginning through his foreordained knowledge. God was at the past. God was in the past. God was in the present. And God's in the future. How many of you know that? That's why he's called the Alpha and the Omega. is the beginning and is the end. At any point in time, you'll find God there. Because God's at the beginning. He sees the end as well as the beginning. He sees the middle. So when God thought about you, the plans he has for you, he thought about and then he actioned. He planned them. So he thoughts became a plan. A plan became an action. Yeah? So that's why we must keep on finding out what God's plan and what his thoughts are towards us. Because they're all there. He wants, he wants them to be actioned in our generation. See, because once your generation's gone, it's gone. Once your best moment's gone, it's gone. But you and I don't know when our best moment is upon us. Because if I, you might think, I might think to myself, oh, this is one of the best moments. Never think that the moment you're in is your best. Because after that, everything's a decline. Yeah? But you think, if this is good, it should, it should encourage you to push for more. Yeah? Don't peak too early. Don't peak too early. So God had thoughts towards Jeremiah. This was a young man. He told Jeremiah, you're going to be my mouthpiece. I'm going to use a young boy. You're going to tear down nations. You're going to destroy nations, by my word. You're going to rebuild nations. He says, I'm only a boy. He says, don't say I'm only a boy. You're my mouthpiece. My word in your mouth is stronger than your mouth, your word in your mouth. Amen. So when God wants to get a hold of us, if these days of heaven are to be lived on this earth, we need to ask ourselves, how does God do that? Yeah? How does God get his thoughts from back there into you? How does he do it? It's a good question and I'm glad you asked. How many of you know, first one, God can whisper? God doesn't have to shout, he only has to whisper. He only has to whisper. If your heart is tuned towards God, God does not have to shout. Now, if you're listening to me now, because you're all focused on me, if I whisper, depending on, on the, 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 the strength of your hearing, you should be able to hear me, shouldn't you? Yeah? Should we try it? God loves you. You all heard that, didn't you? Why? Because you're focused. But if you were all talking and I whispered, the volume would have to be raised in order to get your attention. Excuse me, everyone. Just need to tell you, heaven's telling you that God loves you. Now it's got your attention. I had to break in in order to arrest you, to bring you to a point of attention. Right? That's how God has to deal with us many, many times because our lives are so busy that God has to say, excuse me. I'm letting you know I'm here. I know what you're going through. But when your heart is focused towards God, he only has to whisper. In the midst of a storm, a whisper can come. You don't believe me? Okay. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12, Elijah has just been on the mountain. He just slew all the false prophets. This man's just had a magic moment. He's just won a treble. He's in celebration mode. He's just destroyed all the false prophets of Baal. And he put them all to the sword. And now he's ran because the queen has spoken and fear has entered his heart. And he runs because he he fears what the queen's going to do to him. It's the queen, isn't it? Yeah. The queen. And he runs. And this is what we find uh, on the run. A lot's happened, but I've just given you the background there. After the earthquake came, in 1 Kings 19 verse 12, after the earthquake came, a fire... 
but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came, a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here? God only had to whisper in the midst of a volcano, in the midst of an earthquake, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of all the circumstances, God only had to whisper. And then when he, when he finally does respond, he says, what are you doing here? He, Elijah was in the wrong place. So God speaks in order to bring him into alignment. Yes? God will speak to bring you into alignment. Then Elijah, you know, fast forward in the story. Elijah then is given a set of instructions of what he must do. He then has to go and anoint the king and somebody else. And then that's his mission finished. If God, in the midst of your circumstances right now, you might need another word. Because if you don't get another word, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to do things that you shouldn't be doing. God, when God whispers, it's to stop you. It's not only is it to arrest you and put you on the path, but it's to bring clarity and understanding to what you're going through. Amen? Why? Because God all the time is looking for ways to engineer how to get you on the path that he's planned for you. If his thoughts are towards you, to prosper you, God, at some point, has to speak to you. But very often what we want is we want God to do all the hard work. God, you'll have to book an appointment with, uh, with me. I don't know when we can get together, Lord, because I'm very busy at the moment. And God says, you know what? I don't work by appointment. I just turn up. Whatever you're doing, I'm going to have priority. So some of us, are so busy that we, you know, that God can never speak to us. Not that he can't, he doesn't. But if your heart is towards him, doesn't matter what noise is going on around you, God only has to whisper. Because your heart is set towards him. And God all the time is ordering your steps. So God all the time wants, wants you to fulfill the plan he has for you. And he doesn't tell you, you know, I've, said, I've used this illustration thousands of times, so I'm going to use it again because it works. When you go to the movies, you see the trailers, don't you? And depending, I don't know who puts the trailers together. Sometimes it might only be a 10-second trailer. But it leaves you with one or two thoughts. That's a lot of rubbish. Don't want to go and see that. Or, hey, that looks good. Should we go and see it? Now, all they've done is shown you the best parts. They've shown you the action. They've shown you the snogging. They've shown you the romance. They've shown you the blood guts. All that kind of stuff. What makes you, I want to go. Now when God does that with you and he speaks into your life, he gives you the trailer. And you think, oh God, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the nations, Lord. I'll do anything for you, Lord. What you didn't see was the tears, the snot, the complaints, the tantrums. All he showed you was the best bits. Why? Because that's his way of arousing you to get your attention. And then you say, Lord, you didn't show me that. Well, I know. It took you long enough to respond to what I did show you. Can you imagine if you say to your children, you know, you, t you only tell them the great parts. You tell your kids when you grow up, this is going to happen. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You don't tell them that someone's going to come along your life. Someone's going to come along in your life and break your heart. Do you? Like they broke your heart. You don't tell your kids that. Why? Because you don't want them to have the pain you've had. But the reality is, it can happen. But you don't tell your kids that. Why? Because you want them not to be hindered. True? Sometimes you can tell your kids too much. You're no different with God. Matthew 10, 27 says, What I tell you in the dark, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and that's what he says, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the rooftops. Let me tell you that, say that again. It's so good, it's worth repeating. What I tell you in the dark, so in other words, in the midst of chaos, 
In the midst of trouble, hardships, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. Yeah? What is whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the rooftops. God only has to whisper. Now, the dark can also relate to nighttime. It can, be, it can be just simple as that. Or it can be a dark season upon your life. But when you start feeling stronger, he said, proclaim it. Don't stop. Guess what? I'm in the daylight right now. So I'm proclaiming to you the days of heaven. And now, it might be that I might, my, my voice may be raised, but the voice behind my voice is whispering. Do you understand what I mean by that? So as you're hearing the word of God, it whispers into your soul. And as it whispers in your soul, it grabs your attention. Because not always how I say something is how you receive it. Because the Holy Ghost takes what I'm saying and like an arrow, he fires it towards you. So when you receive it, you receive exactly what is needed to be received. You don't receive a Mancunian voice. You receive a Holy Ghost word. True? It's not tainted because as it left my mouth, the Holy Ghost breathed on it and shaped it. So when it hit you, it had maximum impact. Does anybody listen? That's the way God does it. But I love what Song of Solomon says. In, in, um, sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself there. Hold on. He sows thoughts. He sows thoughts into you while you rest. At night. So God whispers. And God uses. The sleep. The bed. See the bed. Think about this. Your mobile phone. Your computer. At some point needs a rest. If you leave your mobile phone. I never have my mobile phone on at night. You can't contact me. Only God can speak to me. When I'm asleep. I'm a wife obviously. But if you try to ring me in the middle of the night, you've got no chance. And if you need me in the middle of the night, if you're dying, you need a doctor. Your house is on fire, you need a fire brigade. And if someone's burgling, burgling, you need a policeman. You don't need a pastor in the middle of the night. Right? If you're dead, you don't need me anyway. You need an undertaker. So, because my sleep is just as precious as yours. True? There ain't nothing that's gone wrong in the middle of the night in your life that I can fix. It's true. It's true. Now, in the 26 years of me being, sorry, in, in the 17 years of me being in the ministry, I've never had a phone call at night. You know why? Because I've never, never had the phone on. <laughs> and guess what? You got through the day. You got through the day. That's Pastoral Care 101. I teach you to look after yourself. And if you need me, I'm there. But I'm not. Don't put me and your 10 best friends in the middle of the night. Because guess what? The answer machine's going to take it. And when I get up in the morning, it's going to flash. My answer machine's downstairs. It's not upstairs. And it flashes and it says, warning, warning, someone's on the other side and they're after you. So I hit it. And guess what? It's never you. So I've learned to get through the night. Why? Because I need sleep. And God uses sleep as a way of recharging us. Sleep's very important for us all. We all know that. Your mobile phone needs to power down. Your computer should be powered down. This body needs to power down. And your body needs to power down. Now, depending on how long it takes to charge your battery, it will depend on your busy life. Yeah? But God uses sleep so he can sow things into us. Because it's the only time you shut up. And some of us even talk in our sleep. It's true. So God says, ha, he's going to be asleep any time now and then I'm going to have him for five or six hours and I'm going to sow some things into his heart and into his spirit that when he wakes up in the morning, ha, ha, I'm going to be the first thing on his mind. God does that. Why? Because what he planned, what he thought and what he planned, he's got to get into you. God gets you while you're asleep. It's good. And I like the scripture. Listen to this. Now I can come back to my scripture now. Song of Solomon 5, verse 2. Listen to this. I slept, but...
but my heart was awake. I slept. In other words, my body was resting. I was asleep, but my heart was open. My heart was awake, even though my physical body was asleep. Now, when we use the word heart, it's interchangeable for spirit or soul. It can be used in many ways, the heart. So it's possible for your body to be asleep, but your spirit still be awake and be alive. Do you realize when you sleep, God has to protect us? God has to, listen, when I say protect us, I'm not talking about from the burglar. When we're asleep, our spirits are vulnerable. Other things can enter into our rooms. God has to protect us. So he whose heart is steadfast towards God, no spirit's coming into my room. My heart is fixed towards God. I can sleep. The Bible says he gives his beloved sleep. He gives his beloved sleep. So if you're struggling with sleeping, claim that over your life. And if you're not sleeping at night, you need to ask yourself, what's wrong in my life? What's wrong? Am I worrying? Have I got unconfessed sin? Is my, am, am I right with God? Just little checks and balances. Could be the fact that you're eating the wrong things at the right, wrong time. Could be diet. Could be lack of exercise. But just check spiritually first. When I slept, my heart was awake. And God realized and sees this and says, I can sow into that man because his spirit is even expecting me in the night. His spirit is fertile. It's so easy to sow thoughts into him because he's awake even though he's asleep. Isn't that beautiful? Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue. To know the word that sustains the word. Listen, pause. So the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the word. He wakens me morning by morning and he wakens my ears to listen. Like one being taught. So just as I'm coming out of my sleep, God gets my attention. He speaks to me. Sometimes, just as you're coming out, you know, there's different stages of sleep. You get, you get the REM sleep. You get the deep sleep when the body's being charged. And then you get the part where you're, you're conscious that you're sleeping, but you're coming out. You know that? And very often for me, just as I'm coming out of that sleep, that's when I hear God speak to me. And I wake up and the thoughts on me all the time. And I've learned at that point, if I don't write it down quickly, I'll lose it. So I have a book at the side of my bed. I can put the book there because the not there. <laughs> See? Something had to come and something had to go. The book came. The phone went out. I'm not a slave to the phone. Neither should you be. So the book comes. And I have a pen at the side. And it doesn't matter how weird it is. I write it down. And I let God speak to me through the week. And if... If it's just a thought and nothing comes, it was just a thought. But sometimes I find it captures me. It won't let me go. And as it captures me, I know it's God's thought. And I know that's what he wants me to think about on that day or wants me to pray into that day. That's how I begin to know it's God. Example, let's use the illustration of the phone. It flashes. Come downstairs, it flashes. What's that flash telling me? Somebody has been a nuisance and left a message. Or maybe not even left a message, but they've at least called. Right? So it's telling me. Now, let's put that into the spiritual sense. You wake up in the morning, and you feel something. It's the telephone machine flashing on the inside. It says, call Jimmy. You thought of Jimmy. When you first woke up, Jimmy was on your mind. And you think, oh, it's just Jimmy. I don't know why I was thinking it. I you know why I was just thinking of Jimmy. Or an old schoolmate. Just something out there. And you think, you know what, it was just strange. I you know, guess who I woke up with on my mind this morning? Jimmy. That's God's answering machine flashing. You go to work around about 11 o'clock, the thought comes back. Jimmy. You think, what's, I don't know why Jimmy's been on my mind all day. You get home at night, Jimmy has left you a message on your phone. 
Now, because you're awake, you can speak and get the answering machine and say, you know what, isn't it weird? You've been on my mind all day. God was saying, aha, you have the ability to receive an incoming message. What you haven't learned yet is how to understand and decipher. But the potential is there is to receive the message. And you think, I can't hear God. That was how God started to speak. So when the more God does that, now the response time gets shorter. You wake up in the morning now, you hear, Jimmy. The first thing you do is, you know, I'm going to call Jimmy. Jimmy, okay, yeah, I don't know, for some reason, I woke up with you in my mind this morning. Is everything okay? Jimmy might say, everything's fine. At least you responded. And the more you learn to function like that, the sharper you'll get in the spirit. And God is just using it as a way just to tune you in to one of the ways he speaks. Does that make sense? It's just one of the ways. So, I slept, my heart was awake, but the sovereign Lord has instructed me, give me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. Wouldn't you like to know the word that sustains the weary? God wants you to be his messenger. You know why? Because God's got plans for other people. And he wants you to be his postman. Just deliver the message. Morning by morning. How many mornings? Every day. Morning by morning, he awakens my ear to listen. Like one being taught. Wow. Often, so God whispers. God can speak to us in the middle of the night. Give you another one. God can give us dreams and visions. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, verse 9, during the night, so it was in the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and he was begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he's having a dream and in his dream he sees a man standing from Macedonia and the guy's crying in the, in the dream, come over and help us. So, you and I think, that was a strange dream. Have you noticed in dreams how all things sometimes, characters get in there that you think, how did you get in there? And it's like there's a combination of all things get shoved into a dream, isn't there? Your mind is just, wow. But this is so clear, he sees this man standing, asking, come over, come over. Now you and I would say, you know what, I had a weird dream this morning. There was this geezer saying to us, Come over to Macedonia. I wonder what that means. Don't know, love. Maybe you just ate some cheese last night. I told you not to have that drink before you went to bed, Doris. And what we do is because we don't understand how God speaks to us, we pass it off. And here's what happened. After Paul had seen the vision, an action came. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia why? Because we concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So God had plans for the Macedonians. God had plans for the Macedonians. God had thought about the Macedonians. God had planned it and now he was actioning how the Macedonians can come into the kingdom. So what does he do? He lets one man go to sleep. One man goes to sleep. He, has, he doesn't tell you how long Paul was asleep. But as soon as he has the vision and the vision ends, he said, we concluded at once. Paul gets up, Silas, Barnabas, up, we're going. What do you mean we're going? We've only been asleep five minutes, up, I've just had a vision. Flipping it, Lord, stop talking to him in the middle of the night. Up at once, we're going to Macedonia. And this is before trains, internet, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Up at once, we're gone. God's just told us the next stage of our journey. What? We're going to Macedonia. That's how God can speak to us. Now, if you have a vision in the middle of the night and God speaks to you, don't just get up like Paul did and go to Macedonia. Come and speak to us, but don't ring me up in the middle of the night. Come and speak to us. Why? Because we need to know that you're hearing right. Okay? And it wasn't the cheese or the wine. Whether it's a whisper or whether it's a dream, 
When they hit you on the inside, they leave a very distinct print. And it empowers you. Listen, when you wake up, you conceived in the middle of the night. Whether it was the whisper, whether it was the dream, the vision, whether it was the answering machine, you conceived in the middle of the night. The seed began to kick. There was life in the spirit, in your spirit, the spiritual womb. There was life. So when you wake up, you're now pregnant. You understand what I'm saying? This is one of God's ways he uses to get his plans and his thoughts inside of you so they can begin to take on a life and a nature. God cannot always be in the heavens and you be on the earth and this distance between him and you. If the days of heaven are meant to be lived on the, on the, uh, on the earth, then God has to impregnate us with heaven. So we carry heaven on the earth. Distance is not a problem. Do you understand this church? We conceive by the spirit. God gets his word into our hearts and that's how we carry heaven. And we think, how do I, why do I feel like this? Because heaven touched you in the middle of the night or heaven spoke to you during this service or heaven spoke to you as you read your own Bible or heaven spoke to you as you're walking down the road and a thought came into you and the thought just wasn't a thought, it came alive. Instantly began kicking you realize that this thought was not like normal thoughts. This thought is, is, won't leave you. This thought demands a response. This is heaven. This is how heaven comes from trillions of light years away, straight on earth. So we walk now, we live, we walk by the Spirit. We brought heaven on the earth. Why? Because what was on the other side is now inside us. But we must know the ways of the Spirit. Hello? So when you lay hands on somebody, you didn't feel like, ooh, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I feel it. Your hands didn't shake. You can just say, can I pray for you? You can be in a very, you can be in a cafe and just say, I just, can I just pray for you? And you put your hands on the shoulder. Heaven can pass through you and touch that person. Simple as that. All heaven needs is a vehicle so it can flow through. That's all it needs. All it needs. Go to 2 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, very important verse. Now we must understand that when God created the heavens and the earth, he created two very different dimensions. How many of you know that? He created the heavens, he created the earth, two at the same time, but two very different dimensions. One's physical, one isn't. And he created them so that you could step into heaven and heaven could step onto earth. The two was a cross. Now, it needed a bridge. So I could get from here to there. They don't need a bridge to get to me. But I need a bridge to get to them. Well, the Bible speaks of different kinds of bridges. Jesus Christ is a bridge. Jesus Christ, because of our sin, Jesus Christ became sin for us so that we could be forgiven. So Jesus says, I'm now the way, the truth, the life. Anyone who wants to come to the Father must come through me. That's a bridge. Okay? So Jesus Christ is the bridge. I'm going to acknowledge that. So he says, I'm going to send my Holy Ghost. My Holy Ghost is going to become, he's going to show you how to cross the bridge. So now we come to Corinthians. However, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, however it is written, no eye has seen or heard and no mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Stop right there for a minute. So we could never know what God had planned and what God was thinking towards us because we could never conceive it. We did not have the power to conceive or perceive. Do you understand that? You could never perceive or catch heaven. You could never be pregnant with heaven because no mind could ever conceive it. 
You had no ability to do that. So God had to put the software in us. So let's continue the rest of the verse. But God has revealed it, thank God, and is revealing it through the Spirit. The sp- through who? The Spirit. So now the Spirit is the doorway. The Spirit is going to take us and it's going to show us the things of the Father, the plans of the Father, the thoughts of the Father towards us. He's going to show us the Father's heart towards us. That's the Spirit's job, to show us the Father's heart towards us. So as we look at Christ, Christ is the exact representation of his Father. Is the exact representation. So as we look to Christ, we see our Father. So the Father wants to make his heart known towards you. So he says, if you look at my Son, my Son will reflect my heart. Because how many times do we say about our natural children, oh, he's just, like his, he's just like his father. Oh, you look so much like your father. You even talk like your father. You even got the mannerisms as your father. Right? Because we're used to looking at the sons. Because the sons should reflect the father. So when we look at Jesus, he reflects the image and likeness of his own father. So when the world looks at you and I as sons, they, we should be reflecting the image of our father. Does that make sense? So as, as the world looks at me, they should see the image. As, the world, as we look at Jesus, he should be reflecting the image. As you look at the Father, you see the Son. So everything is, is round. So the Holy Ghost now will come. The Jesus said, I will leave the Holy Ghost as a deposit. What's that deposit? He's going to show you my plans, my thoughts, and my heart towards you. Because know, nobody knows my heart like him. So let's pick up the rest of the verse. Is this helping you? For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? Man's spirit. Okay? We have not received the spirit of the world. So he's saying, what we've got is not of this world. What we've got is not common. What we've got is not natural. It's supernatural. Amen? So he says, for who among men know the thoughts of a man except the spirit within him? It's the same, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. God wants you to understand what he has freely given to you. He wants you to understand. Why? Because he wants to make his plans known. He said to Jeremiah, I've got plans. I'm going to make them known to you. When you seek me, I'll reveal them to you. God still wants to make his plans, thoughts known to you. But he does it now through the Holy Ghost. That's why he say, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Why? Because the Spirit is now the software. If you don't operate the Spirit, you cannot understand the mind of God. Anybody know what a uh, PDF is? All the languages we put together, let's just say you use the PDF, it's a file that doesn't matter what computer you've got, if you use this particular piece of software, all the machines can run it. In, that's it in a nutshell. All the tribes, all the nations, the spirit is the PDF. Yeah? The spirit is the PDF. As we speak, he, he formats it so God, he can present it to God. Men can be understood. So if we're praying in the spirit, I could be praying in English. David could be praying in Swahili. God understands it. God understands the languages anyway, but the language of the spirit is one language. That's the point of making. It's one language. Even though he's speaking German, and I'm speaking English, the language of the spirit is one language. Heaven goes, that's my boy down there. What, in Swahili? You know your boy, yeah. That's, he's using our software. How many of you had a phone call from these rogue uh, software guys? They'll ring you up and say, you know, our system has detected that you are, I've got a virus. And you say, that's oh, funny because I'm using a Mac. And a Mac doesn't have a virus. Boom, phone goes down. Why? Because they lied to you. They haven't got a system because that would be called Big Brother. 
They've got a system that can monitor what you're using. So you go, oh, flipping heck, I better not. Turn the computer off, Johnny. They know what we're doing. No, they don't. It's called lies. But when you speak in the spirit, God tracks you. So let's pick up the rest of the verse. We have, verse 12, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing, here we go, what's prayer? Expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. That's what prayer is. Expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. What's worship? Express, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. Amen? What's been a testimony for Jesus? Expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. It's there. Very clear. Spiritual is the key. How has it become spiritual? Because it's in the spirit. Because we've already, already told us we don't use natural words. We've got natural words. But we use it, it's covered in the, in the spirit, envelops those words. So, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. Have you ever noticed that? People who are not Christians don't accept the things that come from God. Even half Christians don't accept some of the stuff that comes from God. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, he hasn't got what you've got. But your software can scan him. You can walk into a room and know that guy's not right. Now, in the natural, we call it intuition. And no one's got intuition like a woman. They can smell a bargain. Mile away. They can smell, if you're a, if you're a fella now, and a woman's got the eyes for you, they can pick up. She's got the eyes for you. Watch her. That's called natural intuition. Some of it's based on experience. Some of it's just, they've got a sense for it. Yeah? I have a sense when someone's having an affair. Mm -hmm. Just let you know now. <laughs> Letting you know now. Something God's given me. If there's an affair, I can smell it. Don't ask me how and that. It's not natural, it's supernatural. I just know it when you've been having an affair. Because I've, I've been proved on this many times. I had a phone call not so long ago. I said, it sounds like they're having an affair. True enough, they had an affair. Nothing to do with this church. Just something God's put inside me. Now, I believe that's a spiritual gift. It's called discernment or a word of knowledge, or a word of wisdom, depending what's going on at the time. But intuition is natural. It has limitations. But when you've got the spirit, there is no limitation. God can show you anything he wants. Then the trouble is then you need wisdom to know how to use what he's showing you. <laughs> showing you is only one part of the deal. When I sussed out that that guy was having an affair, I had no links into his now I do. Now I do. But at that time, I didn't. And you know what? The guy I was talking to knew he was having an affair, but didn't tell me. But I knew. Not because I'm smart, because I smell it. I just smell it now. I'm also keen. I'm, you know, when, you don't, when you've smoked all the years, you don't smell smoke, do you? As a smoker, you... You think you can get away with it, don't you? You think you can have a sly smoke, walk in, go back home as a kid and think no one's going to smell. Your mum said, have you been smoked? No, no, not me. I can smell it on you. You stink a mile. True? If I'm upstairs in my office on a Tuesday or a Thursday and someone's smoking at that front door, you know I can smell it upstairs. Because my nose is now trained now. You stink. I'm trained. Naturally. It's a smell. Smoke. They all say, they all smoke with hellfire. So we need to understand, as we conclude, because I never have time to finish what I want to say. As it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 
So there's a group of people who don't know what God's prepared for them. But then there's a group of people who do know. Why? Because God has revealed it and is, reve and is revealing it to us by his spirit. I put that back in, and is revealing. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. For we have not received the spirit of the world. This is so important we understand this. We have not received the spirit of the world, which is death and destruction. But we've received the spirit who is from God. Why? That we may understand what God has freely given to us. It's not enough to receive the Spirit. He wants us to understand. It's not enough to see the phone ringing. I need to understand who's on the other side. It's not enough for me to wake up in the morning and feel Johnny or Jimmy's on my mind. It's up to me to press in to understand what God is trying to communicate. Don't get so carried away that you're receiving. Get more concerned about why you're receiving it. God, if you, if, I, if you want me to be your mouthpiece, then I need to understand what it is you're revealing to me. So Holy Ghost, I pray today as I go to work, you will bring me unto understanding. If I don't understand it, because there's a lot of things that when you're coming out of your sleep, you don't understand. You write them down, that's all you do. And begin to pray about them in the day. Lord, if that was you speaking to me today, Lord, I ask you to make it clearer to me. Because a lot of stuff I receive coming out of, my, out of my sleep, a lot of it is just me. A lot of it's just me. I don't know what's going on in my mind in the middle of the night, but it's just rubbish. But I'm trained at least to write it down. I've got a book full of rubbish. But I've also got a book full of God. And I, I just say, Lord, if it's you, I'm going to pray today. As I'm praying in the spirit today, Lord, I pray that you give me understanding. And... Take me, give me the next installment if I need another installment. Nothing was lost, no harm was done, but at least I was responsive. And I was responsible. God knows when I go to sleep at night, I say, Lord, I do it time and time again. Lord, sow your best into me. Give me a good overnight charge. So when I wake up in the morning, Lord, I want your word. I, I consciously pray this every night. I look up the ceiling and I just say, no, you're not up there. You're in here. Because I'm on the bed. I'm looking up that way. I just say, Lord, sow into me in the middle of the night. Lord. I want to wake up, whether it be a song. Put a song in my heart. Put a scripture in my heart. Put thought. I remember falling asleep one day upstairs in the church. In the settee in the, in the, in the uh, Annette flat. Thank you. I'm falling asleep and I'm asleep. And in my sleep, I am writing a song. And all the, all the words to the song are in my sleep. And I'm, and I'm conscious that I'm in a sleep writing a song, but I'm conscious I'm also on a settee sleeping. And when I woke up, I wrote the song, Majesty, King of the Heavens. That was the song that came out of me being asleep and God giving me a, a, a song while I was asleep. I didn't have to... Worry about it, that all the words were there. It was complete. All I had to do was get a pen and paper, write them down, song was completed. We sang that song and had a lot of fun with it. It came out of God speaking to me in my spirit. So all I did was respond, pen, paper. How hard's that? So this week, will you do the same? Will you do the same? Will you get that pen and paper at the side of your bed and will you... Take those scriptures I've just given you and will you say, Holy Spirit, show me the things of the Spirit. Sow me into my heart so when I wake up in the morning, if there's anything there, I will give it my first priority. And even if it's, even if it's uh, it doesn't make sense, I will write it down. I will ask you, oh God, Holy Spirit, it might seem crazy to you, but it might be perfect sense to the Lord and the Lord will bring understanding through the week if it's a if it's just you being crazy in your sleep, don't worry about it. You've lost nothing. But if it's of God, and you might hold it for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and all of a sudden, you've rolled it down, I might start speaking on something, 
And I say something, he might fire you back up again and say, flipping heck, that's what God spoke to me three weeks ago. Oh, I thought it was rubbish. Now you've had it reaffirmed. Now you know you can hear God. You just didn't know how God spoke to you. So don't throw the pen out, don't throw the paper away the first week. Leave it. And see the craziness of a rambling man, how it gets stronger and clearer, the more you ask God to show you. Okay? That's how heaven can live on earth. That's how heaven lives on earth. It lives in you. The Bible says that you don't have to go over here to get the word. Why? Because the word's in here. God will speak it to us. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, if we will. We will keep on pressing and pressing and pressing until we see the days of heaven and earth manifesting in this room. You could miss a good place to say amen there, church. You cannot keep coming to church expecting God to speak to you. Why don't you come to work? Why don't you come to church and why don't you speak to us with what you received? Hello? Hello? Why do you expect someone else to carry heaven all the time? You carry it. You have the capacity to carry heaven. Amen? So let's just raise our hands if we will. Say, Father, speak to me. Whisper to me. Speak into my chaos. Speak into my circumstances. Speak into other people's circumstances and chaos through me. Lord, I am de determined in my heart oh, that I'm going to be your mouthpiece. I'm going to be your answering machine. Whatever you say to me, I will say. Whatever you give to me, once I understand it and decipher it, I will speak it. Holy Ghost, take me on this journey of understanding your voice, hearing your voice, clarifying your voice. Use others to back up what you're speaking to me. Father, even tonight as I go to sleep and I look, I lay my head on the pillow, I'm expectant. I expect to wake up conceiving the seed of the Spirit. I expect to be pregnant with your word when I wake up. Yes. Morning by morning, you wake in my ear and you teach me like one being taught so I can have the word to sustain the weary. You're giving me a word that will sustain the weary. Whether it's the weariness in my own spirit or whether it's the weariness in other people's spirit. Holy Spirit, just as you have taught Jeremiah, you will teach me. You will waken me morning by morning. Like someone who's been wakened, who's here, is being taught with a word that will sustain the weary. Father, I'm telling you now, Lord, I am the recipient of that word. I will be fertile soil. I will be that person who will speak that word. I will be your mouthpiece. I will be your hard drive. I will be a mobile word carrier. As heaven speaks to me, I will speak it to others. In Jesus' name, thank you for showing me this this morning, oh God, giving me clarity of how you speak. I can live the days of heaven here on the earth. I can and I will press in for them. In Jesus' name, amen.